0: Good morning everybody. I just love listening to Tim speak. At times I close my eyes and just listen. I feel like I'm like listening to the radio or something. It's such a treat, man. And Ash, thank you so much for sharing that as well. It's a beautiful thing, man, to be a part of a local church. It's a really special thing. Before I jump in, hey, if I haven't met you, my name is Luke, and it's a real privilege to share a message. But by virtue of just beginning, last week I said uh, uh, we began a new series, and one of the things I said is we'd love to launch four new life groups in the next two weeks as a church. And uh, we're some way there, in fact, uh, a, a whole bunch of you signed up, and I want to encourage you, uh, the rest of you who haven't yet signed up, to sign up to join and be part of a life group. About 85 or so percent of our church is in a life group. Uh, Sundays is half of what we do as a church, and uh, life groups is the other half of what we do, and together, that makes up the whole. And so um, I just want to encourage you, if you have not yet signed up for a life group, hey, you don't have to have been part of our church for a long time, we're not going to like... Siri, how do you, like I wish, wish you would stay out of my business sometimes, um, uh, just, uh, yeah, I want to just say to you, I'm part of a life group, Lauren and I and our kids, we're part of a life group, it's been the best thing for our family, um, it, it's where we, the, the New Testament is full of, uh, full of ways we express our faith, love one another, stir one another up towards love and good deeds, uh, bear one another's burdens, uh, etc., And the way we do that is not in a Sunday gathering. The way we do that is by doing life regularly with people, getting to know people and having others get to know you. And I know for some of us that's scary, um, but but that's where we really live out our faith. Remember Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now there's no way we can do that in in a gathering this size. The way we do that Is by being part of smaller communities called life groups, and we put we 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 make that love real and manifest in one another's lives. So if you're not yet part of a life group, sign up now. Why is now a good time? Well, because we're launching new groups. So you're not coming into a group of people that all know each other and hang out and have their rhythms, and you feel a little bit like a spare wheel for a while, like trying to get into this little click. Right, that's daunting and scary. When you join a new group, everyone's in the same boat. It's like joining a high school in grade eight versus joining a high school in grade eleven. You know everybody knows each other, they got their rhythms, join, get in early, and that's where you can be a part of forming a community, and so anyway, plug for life groups, how do you sign up, as you come in near the coffee is a little board that says joining a life group, put your name, your email address, and we will take it from there, make sense? Great. We are we launched last week a series called Gifts That Grow. We're taking six weeks to look at the subject of spiritual gifts, which is which is really how Jesus matures His church. It's gifts that Christ uh, gives to believers in order to, um, in the midst of the body, and especially in particular in life groups. Hence the plug these gifts come out through our lives and they mature us and grow us. If you didn't catch last week's message, I'm assuming a lot this week off of last week's message. So I'm not going to re-say a lot of things because I'm assuming we got it last week. So please go back, log on if you missed it, and pick up with the series. If if you're joining us today and you're not yet a Christ follower, here's the belief that we're operating from, that the scriptures tell us that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave gifts to the church. And these gifts are not physical. Things. They're not Christmas presents we unwrap in that sense. They're actually the abilities that he gives us as Christ followers, ordinary Christ followers not like super Christian people, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. just ordinary Christ followers like you and me, through being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, God gives us these ab- abilities, these gifts to be able to love and to, to mature one another. And um, and, and today we're going to look at what I think is probably, if not the most, certainly one of the most controversial of all the gifts. In fact, is it even a gift and does it still exist? I don't know, that, that's what we're going to see today. And so um, uh, today, can I just by way of intro, a last disclaimer, say so today I'm wearing more of a teacher hat than a preacher hat, okay? So if today's a little bit more teachery and a little bit less preachery, it's because we're unpacking something that there's a lot of controversy around, a lot of disagreement in the church, and uh, and I want to try and bring us as a church to a place where we can life-givingly uh, work out what the scriptures teach and how that plays out in our context. You a little bit intrigued? Great. Last thing I do is just give some credit to some really better minds than me. Today, I want to give some credit to a guy named Andrew Wilson. You'll see him in the pink uh, over here. That's Andrew about a year ago on my birthday it's him in the pink, uh, and uh, Ryan Turmey, Mosala, and myself, um, and uh, Andrew Wilson has written a series of blogs on this, he's also written a commentary on the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're drawing from his commentary on 1 Corinthians chapter 4, as well as a series of blog posts he's put together, you can find, and this book by Sam Storms, what a lovely, lovely book, I rec- would recommend that you read it if you want one book on the subject of spiritual gifts, this would be one I'd go for, um, not only is it very practical and helpful, it's also his his work with the Bible text, and it's just brilliant. So anyway, big plug, and I'm drawing from a lot that these guys have written um, before. Here's a roadmap. We'll read our scripture from Ephesians chapter 4, and then we're going to ask and answer some questions. What do many people believe about the gift of apostleship? Why do we differ with those who believe uh, a particular belief or not? What do we believe apostles still do today, and how does this play out in our local church? If we were to squeeze a All into one long question in three. Are are, are, are they apostles today? What do they do? And what does that mean for us? Makes sense? Good. So here's the last thing. This is a question about this big, and a sermon slot is about this big. So if you want to know more, I've written a nine page doc on it that I can send you as well um, for those of you who want to know more. Okay, here we go. Let's read our scripture today. Ephesians chapter. 4 and verse 11 to 13 is our focus text. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor and teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So that we, until we all attain or until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, this is the focus of this passage, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at your word today, our heart is for that which your passage puts to us, maturity, Christ-likeness, Jesus. We recognize as a local church the most incredible invitation to be invited into the journey to become like you in terms of nature and Christ-likeness. Jesus, come and speak to us today from your word. Help us navigate this um, this tricky aspect of our faith, Lord Jesus, in a way that leads to life. More than even understanding, we pray. Amen. Okay, so question we start off with, are they apostles today? What do they do? What does it mean for us? Uh, and uh, and, and I'm, I'm saying to you, by way of introduction, I'm, I think this is a little bit of a different gift than all the others, right? Um, I believe this is different than the rest of the charismatic gifts that are listed in that passage. And um, I'm also going to say to you that not everyone in the world agrees with what I'm about to say to you. Cleverer people than me don't agree with what I'm about to say to you. And cleverer people than me do agree with what I'm about to say to you. Okay. So we're in that space. First question. There are many people who say that the gift of apostleship no longer continues. It is done, and uh, that part of church history is finished. Let me tell you why they say that. There are those who believe that to qualify as an an apostle, uh, there are two criteria, and some that are three. Okay, what are those criteria? In order to be an apostle, you need to have been an eyewitness to Christ, Uh, you needed to see him raised, and you needed to be one of his eyewitnesses to the resurrection. So, first qualification. The second one is that Jesus had to have given you a personal commission to this role of apostleship, right? In fact, the Greek word used for this, apostolos, means one who is sent. And number three, uh, there are those who believe that uh, the purpose of apostles in the Bible was the writing of the Scriptures, Later on, the scriptures were canonized, and they now make up what we know as the Bible today. So those three things, right? An eyewitness to Christ, a personal call from Him to do so, to become an apostle, and uh, that this, to, to play a role in writing the scriptures. That was what being an apostle was all about. Let me speak to these three things. The first one is pretty objective. Do apostles continue today? Well, either, either you were an eyewitness or you weren't, right? And if you weren't an eyewitness, then... Uh, you are no longer an apostle. And this was a limited time only offer, right? This was a a couple of years after Jesus had been resurrected. That That was your gap. Now Jesus has ascended into heaven and the door is pretty tightly shut. Yes, it's true, Paul received an eyewitness account uh, later on, but pretty much that's the only one we know of, right? And so the door to apostles continuing, if that is the criteria, is shut on the first one. The second one, a personal invitation from Christ or a call from Christ, a little bit more subjective, you'd agree, huh? I mean, was it an audible voice? What if it was an inner call that you witnessed within you? And so a lot more possibility for apostles to continue. The third one of apostles being scripture writers. Again, the door is shut pretty tightly because the scriptures have been canonized. There's no more Bible writing, and so therefore no more apostles. Make sense so far? Here's where I believe, and I'm going to say humble opinion, this is where these views fall down. And this is a disclaimer again. Last time I'm saying this, there are cleverer people than me who disagree. There are cleverer people than me who agree, but we have to, as a church, find a way of being humble yet at the same time we want to be people of conviction who have a belief around these things and a practice that are informed by the scriptures and we're going to live it out as best we can until one day we get before Jesus and we find out who was right and that's what's going to happen so here humility but at the same time clear conviction is being an eyewitness of the resurrection resurrected Christ really a qualification for being an apostle I say no I'll tell you why because what about the apostles who never saw Christ uh, resurrected, who were definitely called apostles? In the Bible, I speak particularly of Apollos in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, who is spoken of as being an apostle. He it is a native of Alexandria, and uh, he would not have seen Christ uh, resurrected. He wouldn't have had an eyewitness account of Jesus. And so we know about Apollos in that instance. Um, I think probably Timothy as well in some ways can be regarded as an apostle, and yet he also seems to have never had an eyewitness account of Christ as well. Particularly though, um, in the days of the early church, I think this would have been more important than it would be even now. Where the crucifixion, the resurrection happened in Jerusalem, you can imagine how for the original apostles, having seen Jesus and trying to tell people that he had been resurrected would have been really, really important. And uh, in fact, Frank Chan, in his uh, writing about this subject, he he says this, he says, As the church moved further and further from Jerusalem geographically and the resurrection chronologically, is it not understandable that the spiritual authority to preach the gospel, heal the sick, and establish churches, in brackets, what apostles do, did not require first-hand knowledge of the event in 30 AD, but a first-hand knowledge of the risen Christ himself as manifested in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, too, when Paul is addressing um, false apostles in the church in Corinth, when Paul wants to uh, discredit them, in a sense, because, because they're false, when Paul wants to, not, not discredit, refute their apostleship, the way that he does so is not by appealing to, they were not eyewitnesses of Christ. The way that he does so is by exposing their deeds and their deceitful ways. The problem with apostles being Scripture writers, though, is that many who were called apostles in the Bible never wrote a word of Scripture. And even worse, even bigger problem here, uh, there were many like Mark and Luke who wrote much of the New Testament who were never called apostles and who were not apostles, And so this one doesn't sort of stand up. There's a couple more things we can say about that, but for brevity's sake, we'll stop there. The critical thing for us today, though, in looking at our passage in Ephesians chapter 4, is it's pretty clear that Paul's vision of a healthy church seems to include the work of apostles among other gifts in an ongoing way. There's nothing in the Bible that suggests these gifts stopped and ceased. Paul says Christ ascended. He gave these gifts. And, and, And when you read Paul, not just in Ephesians... It seems Paul's vision for a healthy church, the solution, if you will. Paul Paul would look at a church and he'd say, hey, there's immaturity in that church. We want to see that church grow toward maturity. Paul's solution in that instance was gifts. It was, even in Ephesians, the, the, the whole purpose, the whole, the whole um, main focus of the chapter we're looking at, Ephesians chapter 4, is spiritual maturity, moving from immaturity to maturity. And Paul's means for doing that is spiritual, it is these gifts that grow us. Until we reach maturity, the fullness of the stature of Christ. In other words, the proper use of gifts is Paul's solution for maturity. The question then becomes to us are all churches today then just automatically mature and no longer have a requirement or need for these gifts? And the answer is no, we still need these gifts to help us mature. Tracking so far? Okay. But why the controversy on this particular gift? Why do I think this gift is different than all the others? The the question I want to look at now is, what actually is an apostle and what's different than about this gift to all the other gifts that are mentioned? Let me start by asking a question for you to think about. Is this a charismatic gift or is this a role that people play? Many believe it's exactly the same as evangelism or tongues or prophecy, etc. The problem that I see here is the, the, the lack of correlation between the noun and the verb. Let me explain. Uh, what they are and what they do. What, people, what do people with the gift of prophecy do? They prophesy, right? What do people with the gift of teaching do? What do people with the gift of evangelism do? What do people with the gift of apostleship do? Apostolize. Okay, or, okay but, but what is that? Well, let me quote Robert Saucy. Robert Saucy is a scholar who insists that apostleship is a supernatural charismatic gift. But the closest to a definition that he comes is this. While the apostles exercised various gifts common to others, such as prophecy and teaching, they were also endowed with a unique spiritual gift that enabled them to minister as apostles. Okay, but what is that? I had to just include a quote from this guy's surname was Saucy. He was definitely going to get into this message. <laughs> What do they do? Jack Deere writes on this as well, and Jack Deere explains this. He says it's virtually impossible to define it as a gift of apostleship in the same way that the other gifts are defined. An apostle in an assembly might teach, might prophesy, might prophesy, might heal, might lead, might administrate. But what would it mean to exercise the gift of apostleship? We simply cannot think of apostleship apart from the historical apostles. And in the New Testament, an apostle is not a spiritual gift, but a person who had a divinely, a divinely given commission and ministry. I love what Jack Deere does here, and saucy so was getting us there as well, somewhere uh, toward that as well. Deer points out, he points out the, 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 the working of the other charismatic gift through the apostolic gift. He talks less about it as a gift and more about it as a role that gifted people play. Similar to, in some ways, an elder in a local church. Elders in a local church would, would use would, would, would evidence all sorts of gifts. They would they would at times they would teach, they would lead, administrate, prophesy, all of these things. But there's a distinction between those gifts that they are ministering through and the role or the office that they play. Varied gifts are working through this role or position. And I think it's something like this when it comes to understanding the gift of apostleship. There's some ways that apostleship doesn't function like the other gifts. Whilst I can pray for the gift of prophecy, and you should, like Paul says, pray for the gift of mercy, pray for the gift of tongues. I could pray for the gift of prophecy, the ability to prophesy, and wake up tomorrow morning and have this ability supernaturally to be able to do so because that's how God works through these things. And yes, it needs to develop and grow and all that, but there's a supernatural switching on of these things that Paul encourages us to desire and pray for. As we pray for, we can begin to minister in that gift. pray in tongues, evangelism, prophecy. I don't think it works the same way with apostleship. I think think apostleship emerges over time as God uses people in the context of ministry. They still fit in Ephesians chapter 4 because the focus is not just the charismatic spiritual gifts. The focus is on the gifts that will mature and grow the church to maturity of which apostleship is is one. Let's bring it closer to home. Next week, Terry Virgo is with us on Sunday and on Wednesday. Have a look here. There's Terry. I think he's about 83 this year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's 83 this year. And God has done the most extraordinary things through his life. I mean, Terry began a church in the UK in the 1970s. And God gave him a revelation of what a New Testament church could look like. And, and, and he began working through Terry in a profound way. And he began teaching about what New Testament churches look like more and more and more. And, and, and through him, a movement of churches called New Frontiers was born. New Frontiers is now well over a thousand churches all over the globe. It's extraordinary when Terry handed over the leadership of New Frontiers, uh, one of those uh, one movement multiplied into many and one of those is Advance that we're a part of. Terry is just incredible. We're going to have him with us on Sunday in our Sunday meetings as well as on Wednesday. But when you look at Terry, next Sunday he might teach, he might pray, he might pray for healings, he might prophesy, he might do all sorts of things. Various charismatic gifts might be at work through him. And, and in all of those things, he'll be building up, he'll be maturing, he'll be bringing us strength. Uh, but 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 also he will be doing, and he has been doing uh, stuff in the realm of what I think is in his realm as in terms of apostleship as well. Establishing New Testament churches, calling our blind spot, as common ground, coming in and saying, hey guys, this is where you're strong, but this is where you're weak. And I think if you were to do this, you would be growing in this area as well. And this is more of what I think is going on when Terry is apostolizing. Although that means something else, doesn't it? Um, I think, anyway. Let's wrap this up and bring some summary to this. What do they actually do? Remember the Greek meaning of the word apostle is one who is sent. Therefore, they function under the authority of Jesus and are accountable to him much like elders do. They are leaders who operate in a variety of giftings and are often part of pioneering and breaking new ground. Terry, like right at the forefront of that. They help establish foundations in local churches. In other words, what do I, mean, I mean foundations? Healthy doctrine, beliefs, practices, sometimes exhorting others to encourage, to courage, endurance, establishing governmental structures. Uh, when Honor was here, he was praying for Peter and Annabelle in the laying on of hands and, and and into the role of the role of elders in our church here, setting in place new elders and deacons as well. Uh, and through this, they create health and they create strength and they create maturity. In the local church. I'll say this, they do this under the invitation and authority of the local church elders. Apostles do not carry a universal authority. It's not like head office coming in and calling the shots. Apostles function within their spheres of relationship that God has given them. And Paul did this. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 2 Even though I may not be an apostle to others, I surely am to you. Do you see that? he's not presumptuously setting up a youtube channel to be the apostle to the world let me tell everybody what they must do that's that's not that's not what we see here there're no self-appointed apostles these are just youtube crazies and there's a lot of them out there okay these i think the word that gets to the heart of how this plays out in a local church is partnership an invited authority that's invited by the local leaders to come in and to strengthen the hand and to strengthen and to establish a local church, and they're also playing a role in breaking new ground. And to me, this synthesizes best what I see in the scriptures as well as healthy practice in the church today. The apostolic gift is not so much a charismatic spiritual gift that gets switched on in an instant as much as it's more of a role that some emerge into as they do ministry throughout a long time in the context of partnership and relationship. It's a calling from Christ and it should also be recognized by others. Tracking so far, I know it's a bit of a different message today. This is something we just need to clarify. Sometimes when you I, I mean I'll be, Sometimes when when you're working through a passage, I mean, we don't write the Bible, but we preach the Bible. You don't get to choose what what comes up, you know? And so I must be honest with you, this week required of me doing a whole bunch of work because I had to clarify for me even what do I really believe this is saying. Sometimes the scriptures, as you follow their curriculum, you're forced to grapple with things that you wouldn't necessarily uh, go through in the course of ordinary life. And this is one of those instances. That said... I also believe that apostles are quite different today than the original apostles as well. The original 12 were sent, out under, were sent out under Christ's tutelage. Their names are written down on the foundation of the walls of the new Jerusalem. And not even Terry Virgo can claim that, right? Andrew Wilson gives us some helpful language to distinguish between first century apostles and those who are around today who are still functioning in the gift of an apostle but are not First century apostles. And the language is very simple, and it's only language. Capital A apostles and small a apostles. The first century apostles, uh, like the, the 12 apostles Christ and I, and like Paul and others in the first century, will speak about those guys as capital A apostles, right? And modern apostolic gifts who serve in planting and strengthening churches as little a apostles. And there is some overlap in the gifting and in the roles that they play but there's, they're not identical as well. Can you see that there's some grayness to this? There's some blurriness to this, and there's some tensions to manage here, and we have to be okay with being in that tension. Um, I think we get in trouble too often when, we, if, when we, what we do is we just we pick one, and then we do everything we can to discredit what the other side is saying. I don't think that's healthy. You end up in a position, but it's not where we want to be. Some of these things, we've got to hold them in tension and recognize there is some difference. I can see where this is coming from. I can see why people would want to put it put an end to this, but at the same time, I can also see in the scriptures, that I don't have that option, and actually in our practice, this really is life-giving, and so we land in this kind of place that really makes sense, it's our it's our best effort at understanding the scriptures, and looking at healthy practice, and we live into it, and so where we're landing is, we, we, these guys are not the same as the first century apostles, but there is something of an apostolic gifting that is still at work today, they're breaking new ground, helping us establish, uh, take the gospel to new areas, at the same time, strengthening and bringing health to local churches. Great. Last question. So how do they work in our story as Common Ground South Penn? Well, Common Ground is part of the Advance family or movement of churches. So I'm going to be faithful to the language I've been using in the sermon today and say our, advances our apostolic family. I don't normally talk like that, but in a sermon about apostleship, I think it makes sense. I'd say advances our apostolic family. Advance is about two things. Could you guess what they are? Planting and strengthening churches. Which, if you were to squeeze me to like try and find two words to sum up what apostles did, they broke new ground, planting new churches, and they 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 they, they established those churches and brought them to word toward health, strength, and churches as well. And so, so I think Advance uh, fits very well with what I see as being small a apostleship as we've unpacked it today. Well, Advance is all about planting and strengthening local churches. That's pretty much it. Now, the way it plays out is, remember, limited scope of authority as well in terms of apostleship. So not everybody who functions that way in Advance is going to be a kind of working that gift into our local church. There has to be a relationship. There has to be some sort of knowing. It's impossible for us to, do, to do, have this kind of relationship with everyone in advance. It's just impossible. So what we've done is we've picked, I say we've picked, Jesus gives gifts to the church Christ leading through prayer, looking as well discerningly over time. We've asked this question, who is Christ given to us in this capacity that is at work strengthening us and bringing health to us? And it's, it's clear to us as a leadership team over time that Rigby would be one of those people. Rigby is someone who's over a long track record of time, has evidenced something, has helped break new ground. In fact, in about three weeks' time as well, 26 years ago, he began Common Ground Church. Uh, There were 50 people who were part of a church called Word of Life Peninsula. They invited Rig and Sue to come in and to lead there. And within about three weeks, the church had changed name, had a new identity, and they were on a new track. And that track has in some way spawned us as fruit here today. Rigby, another one I'd say is Arno, who's playing a role in that. uh, uh, Ryan Tamoshason as well from Bosch and other strong relationships in the Western Cape Advance Hub. Over time, as we as Common Ground South Penn continue our journey of unbundling common ground, I think there will be other gifts and other voices that will emerge as well into the story. And we've got to discern that together as a church and as leaders to see who God is adding to strengthen us. This passage says to us that Jesus knows who we need as a church, that he arranges the body I think the word is exactly uh, the, the joints and the ligaments that he, he uses, Paul uses in that scripture. Appropriately so as to bring us to maturity. And so these are also not every, every like, they're not guest speakers. Every now and again, some new face coming in. I think these partnerships work best in long-term relationships. So Honor will be with us um, in about, I think the 1st of March for our men's event, and then later on the year, he'll come and spend a week with us. When he spends a week with us, he'll stay in my home. He will be with our leaders and our our elders. He will be with us on Sunday. They'll be with us in various capacities during the week. So too, in April, Rigby will be with us. He'll be with us for a week. Rig and Sue, hopefully they'll stay in our home as well. I think they will. Like last year, They came, and the year before they came, and the year before they came, and next year they come. You get the idea. We're in contact regularly, not just when we need wisdom on key issues and crises, although we do. These guys are gifts to us, and they strengthen us as a church. Then there's ad hoc gifts we'll invite from time to time like Terry Virgo. But that's how it works out in our church. That and the collective wisdom of the family. As advanced, we clarify things like doctrine and practices. We learn from other leaders in our movement and outside of our movement that we wouldn't be exposed to if we were just in our own pea patch doing our own thing here in splendid isolation. And it's through being exposed to this family of like-minded, similarly visioned churches that we are, we are I suppose you could say the floor of our church is raised. And so we were able to, to lead and to live from, from something we would never be able to generate in and of ourselves. Paul said this, last word on this gift of apostleship, writing to the church in Thessalonica. He said this, he said, so we cared for you because we loved you much, and we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our very lives as well. I think This speaks to the fact that this is not just a guest speaker outsourced from head office that just parachutes in, says their amazing sermon that they've preached 17 other times in a lot of different places and have really honed that thing down, you know, and then go off to the next place. As much as it's people who know who we are, when Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he, he knew who was there. He knew, he knew in, in, time, in epistles who were fighting amongst each other and who he had to say, can you please guys get over your issue so that we can get on with the gospel as well? And those people, sadly, their names are forever eternalized in the scriptures uh, as well. But, but Paul had that sort of relationship. He had a regularity. He knew them. He knew what was going on. And I think that's what I want to fight for us. So let's sum this up. While capital A apostles are gone, We are still built up and strengthened to maturity through apostolic gifts who partner with us. They partner with us to plant and to strengthen churches, and they help us reach our full redemptive potential as a church. Make sense? Great. A little bit different than our normal messages, hey? If you're a visitor, they don't all look like that. However, Jesus is the one who is bringing us to maturity, And I want to land us now by coming to the communion table. It's the table that Christ brought us to. It's the table where Christ meets us together as a church. It's the table where Christ ministers to us. It's the table where Christ strengthens us as believers. And so if I can ask a few of you to to walk around and would you mind passing out the grape juice and the little bits of bread Anyone in our family, if you're, a, if you're a member in our church, please feel free. Thanks so much, Patrick. Thanks, Jinty. Thanks, Jade. Thanks, Colleen. Thanks, Andy. Anyone else? I think we've got one or two more here. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Alan. I think that should be. Thanks, Jinty. As, as these elements of bread and um, grape juice representing the wine are passed around, just think of these words again. Now you've got the context of this word that maybe you read lots of times, but maybe your only context was the 12 apostles in Camps Bay and the hotel and all of that. But now you understand a little bit more of what the apostles really are and did and still do in our context today. The critical thing that we've got to take, and that's the big thing from this series, is it's so Christ Himself gave. Jesus is the one who is over our journey to maturity as a church. Peter, can I steal one of those? (laughs) Jesus, uh, back Tim, would you mind? Thank you. Jesus is the one who presides over our journey to maturity as a church. He knows exactly what we need. You think of the book of Revelation as John writes the book of Revelation. It starts off letters to the churches. And who's speaking these letters to the churches? It's Jesus. Jesus is writing these letters to the church in these different areas. And he knows who they are. And he knows where they're at. And he knows what they need. And this, is, this has got to be the, 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 in the back of our thinking as a church as we grapple with these spiritual gifts. It's Christ himself who is over our church's journey from immaturity to maturity. And he knows exactly what we need. And he gives us gifts as Christ followers to minister to one another. But in all of these gifts, it's Christ himself who is ministering to us and meeting with us. And so let's stand together as we come to the table where we meet with Christ. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastor teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Oh Jesus, would you come and build us up today? Even as we we come to a meal, a meal fortifies us. A meal builds us up. A meal nourishes us. A meal gives us strength. I think it's in part why you chose a meal to, to be this beautiful Sort of centerpiece of our church faith, representing our relationship to one another and to you. It, it's in this meal that you meet with us, but it's also that you nourish us and you give us that which we need to live the lives you've called us to live. It, it's where you give us that which we need to, to be faithful, even to mature, Lord. And so we come before you now, Christ, at your table, mindful that you are the head of our church, not our elders, not even apostles. You, Jesus, are the head of our church. You are alive, you are present, and you are with us. Come, Holy Spirit, and make the very presence of Christ known to us now, we pray. Jesus, there's some in this place right now who need strengthening. Strengthening in in our hearts, strengthen our minds, strengthen our will. Maybe some who are facing incredible temptation. Others who are afraid and struggling with fear. Come Christ, come Holy Spirit and minister the person of Christ to us now. We're so mindful that as we eat and as we drink, we're taking something into our very physical bodies. Christ, as you have have been, in a sense, we've been unified with you, Christ. You in us and us in you. We've become one. And so meet us this morning, I pray, Jesus. So mindful just this morning as I was praying about this meeting that Jesus sat with Peter at the first meal and Peter was about to deny Christ. And they met in this place and Peter denied Jesus. And then it was a little later, Jesus orchestrated another meal and it was fish on the beach this time. And it was in that meal that Jesus restored Peter restored him to relationship with Christ, restored him to even his relationship and role in the church, I believe, as well there. I wonder if for some of us, this is not a meal where you're seeking restoration even. Jesus, will you restore me to, to relationship with you? Will you restore me to relationship with your, your, your family, your church? I'm going to give you a second just to quietly pray your own personal prayers to Jesus as we eat of this bread and we drink of this grape juice. As we pray, invite the band to make their way up here. Jesus, as you know who we are as a church and you know what we need, you've forgiven us of our sins, you've cleansed us and made us new. Holy Spirit, you live within us, you make new possibilities available, as as Ashley beautifully shared. It was this impossible thing that you made possible which opened the door to an extraordinarily different kind of community, one not just based on logic and reason and our ability to create, but based on uh, a new natures that we receive from you and a new p- power in the Spirit. And amongst that is even gifts to love and to serve and to grow one another. And so, Lord, I pray in this context of even this table, Will you give gifts to us? Christ, would you cause these gifts that you give to us in our church community to blossom and to flourish, Lord? I pray for my brothers and sisters in this family, Lord. Those who'd be saying, I don't know what my gifts are. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would begin ministering and releasing gifts to them, Lord. If that's you, would you pray that? Pray for those who are sitting on some incredible gifts and you they're just collecting dust. I pray that you dust them off and in faith, you would experience Christ drawing you to make your contribution, to build others up, to be a blessing to others. We need Jesus more than what we have. We need, Holy Spirit, your empowering to mature and to grow and become all you want us to become as a church, Jesus. And we declare it today. Amen.